Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast, where we discuss the history of plants from a magical perspective. We'll be exploring the history, lore, and mystical properties of a new plant every single week. I'm your host, Juliette Diaz, an indigenous Taino bruja and seer. And I'm your host, Chelsea Selby, owner of occult bath and body brand, Witch Baby Soap and Lifelong Witch. Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast. Today, we're talking about one of the most notorious plants in human history. We're talking about poison ivy. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Yes. So this one um, comes from the cashew family weirdly enough, which is called Anacarsaceae, which uh, kind of so- sounds like anarchy, which is totally, poison ivy is total plant anarchy. Mm. Mangoes are also weirdly enough in this family. Yes. And its genus is Toxicodendron, which sounds like a really cool Pokemon. <laughs> it sounds like a really cool poison Pokemon. Like I'm just picturing it. It would have... Um, poison spore for sure. (laughs) So poison ivy is one of the most potent plants. Only one nanogram, which is a billionth of a gram, is needed to cause a rash in a person. And the average person is exposed to a hundred nanograms per exposure. One quarter of an ounce of urushiol, urushiol, that's the stuff that makes you get the rash, is all that is needed to cause a rash in every person on earth. It's insane, actually, how potent it is. That is nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I, the, from the first time I read that, it just blew my mind. That has always stuck with me, like, forever. I mean, uh, it's extremely potent. I, mean, my, I think we talked about it in another episode when we first moved to my house here in the mountains, my husband had poison ivy like for three months because he kept fucking touching it everywhere while he was cleaning the land. The same thing happened to Joe. He was like, we, we moved back up here from Florida and he was doing property management and he got the worst poison ivy rash like, ever. And it was right when I was starting Witch Baby and he came home from work after like landscaping and put, he touched my lower back and I got poison ivy all over my lower back. And I had just like, this was like the week that I just opened Wish Baby. And I was like, oh my God, is this, is this from my stuff? Mm-hmm. And I was like really freaking out. But then he got it, he got it all over his body. It was like on his face, everything. He had to go to the uh, urgent care. What the hell did and he like roll around in it? <laughs> He was like weed whacking it or something. Oh, well, that's how what that my man was doing too. But oh damn, on the face, on you. <laughs> yeah, he got it on his face, like everywhere. He he had to get like steroids. It was crazy. Jeez, no. And the thing is, the more that you, ha- so he had it right, and then he touched it again, and then he touched it. It gets more severe each time. We were all we were like suffering, like we tried everything i was like scouring it with scorching hot water in the shower is the only thing that made it feel good that and whole milk okay okay so i was like putting really cold whole milk on it that works really well i was putting clays on it like i had a bunch of clays so i was like using like bentonite clay to like suck out all the stuff yes yes i have some of the remedies here but i kind of wanted to go over 
identifiers because it's something that I went over with my children because we have them, well, had them growing on the whole side of our land, like the mountainside and some trees. They're even like towards the back of the land. I'm like, holy shit. They're like really surround. It was like surrounding our land, not inside. But to me, because when we'll get into the indigenous and native um, meaning and what we believe, um, it's, I saw it as protecting our land. Um, but you know, we couldn't really grow anything with it being there. So we yeah, have- like there's legitimately nobody watching you in the woods if it's full of poison ivy. Yeah, for real. No, the creepy crawly <laughs> serial killers. Also, like the, how come the serial killers in movies like never get poison ivy? Like the woodland stalkers, okay. like they sh- <laughs> they never have poison ivy. They resist oh, it. I don't well we we don't know because it doesn't come out until like a few days after. <laughs> so. I love yeah, I, I love those like TikTok videos where they like show like the what it would look like when the when the serial killer is like running through the woods. You know what I'm saying? Like and how how doofy they would look. like they just show in the movies when they like show up in the woods but they gotta like run and like what if they have a stupid run you know like i don't know it's just really funny to think about them getting poison ivy so we have kind of well i have kind of an identifier this is like old timey wording um for instance you start with leaves of three let it be this one is helpful but there are other plants that are (laughs) have three leaves so we keep going and then there's three leaves and shiny. Again, there's other plants that are similar. Hairy vine, no friend of mine. This one is a little bit useful. And then you have berries white, run in fright, or berries white, danger in sight. This one is the one that I really like telling my kids and of course my husband, really great identifier, not only for poison ivy, but it's also for like poison sumac. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another one I forget. Doll's eye. When when I was a kid, I was uh, th- like going to camp in North Carolina. We played in the woods a lot, and they would always tell us leaves of three better flee for sure. Was it was it, let it be? It was like better flee. <laughs> oh, they <laughs> urgency. <laughs> they mixed it up with the the last one. So even if you see the berries white, definitely know that those three plants are poisonous and you shouldn't be touching them. Um, and then they have like the hairy vine, no friend of mine, three leaves, yeah. tiny and leaves of three, let it be. Um, the one thing that it gets confused with a lot is uh, blackberry vines because blackberry vines are um, they are hairy and they are red, but the leaf looks a, a little different. And that's where the shiny leaf comes in because the blackberry leaves are not shiny. Um, not blackberry, wine, raspberry kind of raspberry. So I was just going to say, I was just thinking raspberry too. I was like, I know that I, I have gotten raspberry confused with it when I was younger. Um, so ras- yeah, raspberry is definitely it. Like blackberries do have three leaves. For sure. But the wine raspberry is like a vine. Right. And then it also has like the little um, hairy parts and the reddish. Yeah. They're honestly adorable. So, so where I read somewhere and I can't remember where I read it from. And this was a while ago, but I've, I've taken it with me. Um, the leaves themselves might look like they have mittens. Have you heard that one before? No. So you have it. You have the center leaf and then the two side leaves, and the two side leaves will look like mittens with a thumb. 
Oh yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. That I remember I, I've taken that with me and I've always like gone out and kind of try to identify them that way, but it, they all have, they do, even if you can't really see a prominent thumb, it's still there. Yeah. It's kind of slit that way. It looks like a, a min. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. I'm looking at pictures of them right now. And, um, the other thing is a lot of times they're not necessarily vining up trees, although like, that's how you spot them. A lot of times they're, they are ground cover of the forest. Like yeah, any other they, ivy. They are. They're literally a carpet. And sometimes you can't see the vines because they're deep in the dirt. So it's really important to identify the leaves themselves. Um, but no, they're very, res- um, poison ivy is very resilient. She grows on bushes. She grows on trees. So there's different forms of ivy. And in a lot of the old wilderness books, they call it the unwelcome mat of the forest. Oh my gosh. I love poison ivy though. Like I know they just the name alone, poison ivy. I've heard, um, there was this girl on Instagram who I have not seen on Instagram for a really long time. I'm talking about like, this is years ago. She would call her, um, sister ivy. I think some people are familiar with that term as well. Oh, the unwelcome mat. No, just calling her sister ivy instead of poison ivy. Oh, sister ivy. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think she was um Drew like Druid. I'm pretty Maybe. sure. Yeah. And she she often called it Sister Ivy. Yeah, I like that because it really is, it really has like, I don't know if anybody plays Animal Crossing, it has like big sister energy. <laughs> Everything in my brain is a video game. Um, so poison ivy is a lunar plant. And we see this in its white berries, uh, the way that it affects the skin. We kind of touched on this in the last episode, but the way that poison ivy affects the skin puts it in the lunar plant category. Uh, it is also Saturnine, so it has Saturn properties in the way that it poisons. The skin has a 28-day cycle on average for every adult. Yeah which you see in a lot of like moon plants. And it's interesting because like, you know, the there's a hormone skin connection and the menstrual cycle is also connected to the moon. So you see all of like the moon ruled plants, like having these, this like pole to them almost. Yes. Uh, so this makes, so it just makes so much sense, this whole 28 day cycle. And I was like, it blew my mind when I found out that your skin has a 28 day cycle. No, a lot of people don't even realize that. So like everybody, that means everybody on the planet has it. Like uh, sometimes people will be like, oh, it's only uh, people who, you know, get their period have a 28 day cycle. Like, no, everyone has a 28 day cycle, even if it's just like your skin. (laughs) Like we are all have a, a... connection to the moon and the moon cycles, no matter who we are or how we were born or, you know, we all are connected to the moon to down to our most like tiny skin cell, which is fascinating. Yeah. It's just like the tiniest parts of us are still connected to the end ruled by the moon. Like that. It's just very like humbling to think about Mm -hmm. even like the water in our body, you know? I mean, for sure. Um, if anybody has ever worked in a salon or a school, like, you know, that the full moon affects people. 
<laughs> what do you mean? Just in life. <laughs> oh my God. How it affects everyone. I know. I, I even for me, I've learned to do certain things to kind of ground and center and not worry on thoughts that I would get around the full moon. Um, because it does affect you. It does bring up a lot of things from within you. And I know before, before I had any control over how to heal myself and how to ground myself and come back to self, um, I noticed that during those times I was very more, not problematic, but more dramatic. (laughs) Oh yeah. So I go kind of through the same cycle, um, with my period and with the moon. Like I could feel the anxiety of the full moon coming. And then my body does the same thing with my period. Like I will feel like this, this anxiousness just growing until I get my period. It's like, my body is like sound the alarms. And then like, (laughs) you know, I don't want people to like look at me in my face. Like I I don't want to be perceived. I I just don't, I don't want anything to do. I just need to be like, I don't, I get this crazy anxiety, like right before my period. And then it's like, as soon as I get my period, it's like, ah, it just goes away. And that's also how I knew I was pregnant. Like before I took a pregnancy test because I didn't feel anxious the couple of days leading up to my period. I was like, I feel amazing. <laughs> it's like, something is very wrong here. Why do I feel so good? Like two days before my period. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with the full moon, especially like at the time we're recording this, we are the Virgo full moon is happening tomorrow. Oh, I already feel it. And the thing is that we're in Pisces season. I put, I tweet it. Like I'm literally just minding my business and staying out of everybody's problems and trying to stay off our social media as much as possible. Cause everybody's losing their shit during Pisces season right now. There's yeah. so much drama. I'm like, what is happening? I have a really good friend. <laughs> I'm not going to like say her name out loud because it's fucked up, but I love her. But they didn't want to talk to me in like a, like a couple of days because she was like, I just don't feel like talking to anybody. I'm like, why do you talk to me all the time? What's happening? They, it has people sad. <laughs> it has yeah. People. It's been intense. The triggering that's happening is crazy. And I'm just like here, I'm a Pisces sun and have many Pisces placements, cancer and moon. And I'm just like, I love this season. This is like magical as fuck for me. And I wish that a lot of people could benefit from Pisces season, but it just shows the the depths of healing that still needs to happen within each individual. Um, because Pisces season does bring out a lot of these unhealed um, or things that you haven't faced or things that are just lingering and festering within you. Um, and it brings it out. It doesn't allow for the magic of the world, the magic and enchantment of the energy of this season to, um, to, to kind of be present with you because there's so much space that you have taken up with the other bullshit. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of that happening right now. And I'm just like, yeah, I love Pisces season too. A lot of people like tend to suffer during Pisces season. It's really like the embodiment of the moon card where like all of that subconscious stuff gets stirred up and it's the end of an astrological year. So it's you're kind of also physical season. It's the physical yes. season. Like this is the season we should all like witches and especially brujas and witches should be thriving on. But again, it just, 
I, I tell people, you know, just if you're not feeling that enchanting magical aspect of Pisces season, which is you should be feeling, um, and being present with, especially your magic should be most potent around this time. Um, then there's some unresolved issues that you have to deal with within yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. which I think it's a really great way of finding out if you need more inner work. Yeah. I personally, I do some of my best streaming at this time of the year. Like I look forward to Pisces season every year. Cause I'm like, fuck yeah. The dreams are going to be fucking crazy. (laughs) I am so ready. I mean, I did have a nightmare like two nights ago, but then I was like, okay, I had a nightmare. I haven't had a nightmare in a while. Maybe I'm having a little too much. Maybe I'm overworking myself. Maybe I have a little too much on my plate and it's giving me anxiety. I love that perspective. Don't mean to cut you off, but that's perfect. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's nightmares. Like, and, and you know, like I love a good nightmare where it's actually scary because I like scary movies. No, this was not that. Like my nightmares are like, I count money over and over again and it's always wrong (laughs) (laughs) or I miss my flight. I'm, I'm always like so many of my anxiety nightmares are, I have to catch a plane and I'm always late. What in the world that, well, that's weird. (laughs) So if if there is, it makes sense related to real life. Listen, if there is a hell and I go there, it's going to be an airport where I'm never on time. No, that's awful. They're <laughs> repeatedly going to be trying to catch my flight for the rest of eternity. <laughs> and it's never going to be there. Like, until, that's my... Until you realize you don't have to take the flight and you just could go all the way. Yeah. Then there's also the, when you go over the bridge and it just stops. You ever do that one? No. <laughs> oh, I have that Wait, one. Just, I, I haven't... Yeah, no, I haven't had that one in a long time, but there's some dreams where you just go up a bridge and then it's just, there's no more bridge or you go down the bridge and it's like, they're extremely steep and scary. When, when I do have dreams that have to deal with like heights, I am, I did have a fear of heights. Um, I usually opt for flying like I know I'm in a dream because I have a lot of visions so I have like in my dreams it's kind of like dude I know your fucking dream swipe left next one because this one sucks um but when I'm in those situations where things just seem off for me it's stairs that cut off so like imagine a house with nothing in the middle of the house it's just walls but there's stairs going around the walls does that make sense yeah yeah like that uh like the what MC Escher yeah, like it's, it's like a it's it's like a maze, but on the wall. So you yeah. like Harry Potter ish. Like there's stairs just all over the walls. Um, so I would start going up the stairs, and there would be missing stairs. And then when I look down, it's like literally eternity, like forever going down. So I know I would die. <laughs> um, I feel like that's the most Pisces thing, bro. This is that <laughs> one that re- if related to like what you're saying. That one has been one that's always been um, constant throughout my life. And then if there's missing stairs, I have to like figure out a way to jump to the next one. And then eventually it just cuts off. And I'm like, how am I going to, how I can't go down. I can't go up. I'm just stuck there. So I usually throw myself off. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I wake up, so I'm like, okay, so I'm still alive. I'm awake. So what was the purpose of that stupid fucking dream? (laughs) I don't know. I always end up struggling for a long time. Most of my night is taken up by me going up these weird and down up and down these stairs. And then eventually I'm like, fuck this. I'm just going to jump off. Most yeah. times though, I do fly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fly a lot. 
I do. I do fly a lot. I love it. It's the best part of dream for me. I had this weird perspective. Uh, no, I had. So, okay. So I had this dream not that long ago. This is like unrelated, but I had this dream and it's just like, I just got to tell you about this. Um, so I had this dream about these like really tall, like sunflowers. Like I was like, they were skyscraper sized. Um, wow. they were like huge chunks of amethyst and they were like the sizes of like houses and, and apartment building, like very tall. And then I thought, okay, these things are huge. Then recently I had a dream and I was walking around and all these clovers were like gigantic, like the size of houses. And I was thinking about it. And when I had the first dream, and this didn't occur to me like until the, like a few days after the second dream, I was just like walking through my front door and I was like, holy shit. Those things weren't big. I was small. You were small. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> like, the first dream I had over a decade ago, and I'm like, just now, like, I thought they were big, but I was small. Aw, maybe you were a little fairy or an ant. <laughs> yeah, it had that, like, kind of, like, that perspective. Like, like, standing next to a clover that was, like, you know, I, it was just honey very honey i shrunk the kids i really love that though that was probably my favorite scene from that movie if you ask me anything else about the movie i can't remember it was yeah. when they were in the in the guard in the front yard right and then all looking around i i was so enchanted by that scene where and i'll, I'll never forget it everything else i forgot <laughs> i, I want to watch it again with my kids now um is their perspective of looking up at this immense forest of flowers and i'm just like that's incredible that's a really yeah. beautiful perspective it's kind of how we've forgotten the world to be because the world is like that we're small and we have these beautiful giants around us our trees our elders right elder hour we we mm-hmm. have other trees um so it's kind of like we've lost that perspective of the beauty of the world being so big around us. Instead, we feel small and 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 insignificant when we should feel like enchanted and alive and and comforted and protected by these beautiful beings surrounding us. Um, yeah, it was also just a very interesting thing because I was like, "Wow!" Here I was thinking that these things had like gotten larger or were larger in perspective to me. And like, really, I, it made me reflect on my like relationship with nature because it was like, why would I think that this is from my perspective? Like these things just got big. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this, and was, I, it just definitely ties into poison Ivy, but the meaning and message that she brings for sure. When we get there. Yeah. So Poison ivy is um, a super resilient plant too. Yes, like extremely. We plant. we had talked about like superhero plants very early in the podcast. You were talking about that, remember? Yes. Um, this I feel like fits into that category of like superhero plants, like yes. the kind that pop through the cracks and the kind that fight back. Yes. A hundred percent. Like, do you want me to tell you, go into the spiritual meaning, um, indigenous, um, native perspective. Okay. So she asks us to be present and mindful of your presence and surroundings. She asks us to be, to observe, to pay attention, to be aware, to become the observer, 
She reminds us that life, just like nature, is not all love and light only. Nature, just like life, is mysterious, free of expectations, dark and fucked up, um, with the meaning of you need protection. You can't just live life like it's just unicorns and glitter. You have to have some form of protection of the self and against yourself. Um, there's a duality. When we are able to acknowledge this, we become more present in real life and are open to all of its lessons and magic. Um, moving into how indigenous and native people have told stories of poison ivy being a land protector. This is also highlighting her teachings of protection. Don't be a fool and just roam around life without protecting self or even having a sense of purpose. So poison ivy exists, right? To live and she's beautiful and she's bountiful, but she also is part of a greater purpose. And her purpose is to defend the land, particularly delicate ecosystems and tries to keep humans out. Um, I particularly work with her spirit in my activism and when there's a lot of world issues um, to disrupt and to dismantle racist capital society, bring down the patriarchy. She is who you want to work with, with this type of magic, but also really important with working with yourself in the form that you want to set boundaries, learn from your past habits and repeated lessons and move forward, dismantling the old self from the parts that are not true to you and that do not serve you. So this is a really strong um, perspective and message of you know, her existence and how her existence works with our, our own existence and how we can work with her. Yes, for sure. She's a huge protector of the forest. So I could totally see how she would help protect communities and um, like just personal sovereignty. Like she's powerful and she has like, she's got longevity. So the sap from poison ivy will actually stick to unwashed fabrics, tools, anything else for up to six months. And it can stay on pets until they're bathed. It wipes off over time or they shed. So this is something that like doesn't just, it's it's like, oh, I defended you in the time being. It's like, it's defending the forest months and months after contact with it. Yeah. I mean, it's a very tricky situation where we don't want to tell you to like full on go work with poison ivy. You have to know how to protect yourself. Um, especially when you're magically working with poison ivy, um, you need to wear gloves. You need to be protective. You need to understand that anything you use to touch poison ivy, you have to then wash. (laughs) So it's a really delicate situation. Um, I like, we're building a indoor greenhouse. Um, well, how would I say it? An attached greenhouse to my house. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have like a section for all the poisonous plants. Um, and even just thinking about how we're building it, I have to think, really clearly of how I would situate, um, a table or my surroundings where it's not going to affect anything else. And I could just contain it in that area. Yeah. Maybe get some little tiny greenhouse. Yes. It's gonna, it's gonna be really, from my vision, the way that I see it, I know that it's going to cost a bit, but it's my life. Like that's what brings me joy. If I'm going to spend money on anything, it's going to be in like a attached greenhouse, to, um, right off of my kitchen where I can walk into it. It's going to be glass and probably like 10 feet out. Um, but that's a vision, but again, it costs so much money. I'm just saving up to, to build it. And right now with everything happening, you know, I'm kind of weary of like just giving my money out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like $4.50 gas prices. Yeah. The, the hood girl and me growing up in the projects and, and knowing 
really well that, you know, money is not something that you fucking play with, especially if you're not like, you know, raining money into your life every single day. So I'm really careful. I feel like even if you are, and you come from where we came from, um, like I know that the current environment is setting off all of my like bells and whistles, <laughs> like personal financial trauma, especially becoming an adult during the recession. Um, I have already started kind of going back to some of the methods of saving money that I used to do, uh, that, you know, like just self-preservation is already in play for me. Cause I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> you know what, this <laughs> I've seen this before. Yes. This is perfect for poison ivy because that's what it is. Self-protection, um, preservation. Yeah. That is perfect message to share with the listeners today. Um, you know, I know that we're, we're fucking struggling with our emotions and our thoughts and, and, and not knowing really, it's kind of like that in-between space where, and, and there's a numbness to it into the energies that are bombarding us. We just become numb at a certain point. We're just like, okay, so what do we do? Uh, what's the right way to move forward? And I think you just have to go back to the self and do everything that you can to self-sustain yourself. Like we're really going to work hard in farming and growing our vegetables. And, and we talk about this in many episodes um, and then saving your money. We're going to put, um, what are those things called again? Oh my God. I can't believe I'm forgetting where the, the glass things you put on your house for energy for the sun. Oh, solar panels. Solar panels. Oh my gosh. It's so early in the morning. We've never done so early. <laughs> it is. I know. We're like 11 a.m. people. This At is this 945. Time, I'm like doing my morning rituals. So, <laughs> um, so we're, you know, we're really, going to tell we're, we're going to do like investing in things that are going to help us survive the long term and um without having to you know um depend on any anyone else or anything else so that's how we're approaching this um world issues and things like that is more of getting our life to a place that you know we just depend on ourselves you know what i love about poison ivy though what so it is about like survival and everything, but it's also about like vengeance. Like I feel like it is such like a, a like like a, a working class like mm-hmm. plant because uh, like even if you're gonna come and mow down the pro- like the forest for profit, if you're gonna come and and destroy the the community that poison ivy supports like a lot of a lot of animals eat poison ivy uh it's it's a favorite of white-tailed deer it is food for bluebirds purple finches warblers ruby crowned kinglets and yellow shafter flickers i literally like all the birds <laughs> yeah, yeah so if you're gonna come and take from the community if you're gonna come and destroy the the forest poison ivy is not gonna make it easy poison ivy is gonna make you suffer like you might be successful in what you wanted to destroy you might mow down that forest but everyone who tried to do it is gonna leave with a fucking rash and feeling like maybe they made the wrong decision yes so my mom told me a story once we lived in the projects right project housing um and we were surrounded by cemetery i mean there was i've said this before it was like literally in front of across the street in front of the whole land to the side of the land up the mountain. So this is not nature. This was a city, um, union city. So it wasn't like a mountain that you would see with beautiful, you know, scenery. It was more like huge 
project housing buildings and it was going up this um, enormous hill, but we were all surrounded by cemetery. Um, mm-hmm. In the cemeteries, that's where I hung out. That's where all the trees and flowers were and a lot of poison ivy. I literally climbed the same tree and I've talked about this tree. I'm going to go and take a video of it it's still there and, and, and probably post it and share it with everybody. Um, and I would hang out of, hang off of the, the branch, one of particular branch, sleep there, nap there, just dangle. There was poison ivy all on the trunk of that tree growing up. I never got poison ivy when I was a kid. So my, yeah. mom, my mom, she was like, sometimes, especially with children, and this not this is not true for all children. I know I did get it when I was a child going on a camping trip, but when it's in certain parts of the lands, lands that were ravaged, especially colonized, and that area was a big area where, where it was colonized and a lot of natives were stripped from that place. Um, she says those poison ivies that grow in those kind of lands are the spirits of the people who were murdered there, protecting the innocence, protecting the nature, protecting um, the people who had nothing to do with the colonization. So she would tell me like if it was someone else who was part of that ancestral lineage, they might get poison ivy. But if there was someone who has ill intentions for any reason, She's like, go up that tree because the poison ivy will stick to them forever and curse them. So she always told me, if you know there was a bad person and you see poison ivy anywhere, go towards the poison ivy. It will protect you and then curse the other person. Yeah. You know what? I also feel like poison ivy. uh, So I have a kind of like similar, but not, not the same experience. So I did forest school with my kid. Like I didn't send her to a preschool. First of all, I couldn't afford a preschool, even if I wanted to send her there. But second of all, I really wanted to spend the time with my daughter um, instead of sending her to a preschool. I didn't really get a lot of time with my mom. So this was kind of like, you know, a way that I got to spend time with my kid and I got to like heal my inner child. So we did forest school and every Thursday we would go and meet other parents in the the forest and our kids would like learn about nature and paint with mud and do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, All the kids were climbing on this one tree that definitely had poison ivy on it. And uh, like, I even, I remember getting a kid out of the tree because she got stuck and none of us got poison ivy. <laughs> I was like, how, how does that happen? Like none of us got poison ivy. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I wonder if our listeners, if once we post about this episode, let us know um, your experiences with poison ivy as a child. I know children have gotten poison ivy. That's true. And I've gotten poison ivy as a child, but in particular area, this seems that poison ivy acts differently. It's a different personality altogether because the spirits working through that patch of poison ivy could be ancestral and defenders of those areas. Yeah, like I, um, I've gotten poison ivy as a kid, but never like a really severe poison ivy infection. I think it's only happened like once or twice. And I played in the woods with zero regard for poison ivy. Like I just, I, I was in the woods all the time as yeah. a kid. Um, so I, I, sometimes I think about it and I'm like, I'm so paranoid about getting it now, but also poison ivy is the amount of poison ivy there is, is increasing because of climate change. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm literally the reason why it's so resilient and surviving more. And the reason we have more of poison ivy is because of how we're ravishing and hurting our earth and our lands. You'll see them particularly in those areas. 
you know what is wild about poison ivy is that even uh you know like people will be like oh my god kill it with fire about things they don't like no you can't kill poison ivy with fire oh you can't like it'll first of all if you breathe in the fumes of lighting poison ivy on fire like bless your heart second of all <laughs> um it it won't die like the root system won't die yeah, they're not going to kill it. It's going to come right back. Especially if it's the carpet type where it's just the roots and the vine, everything's under the dirt and protected. So this does bring me to something I really want to talk about. Um, and I feel like this is elephant in the room. We can't not talk about Poison Ivy, the villain, anti-hero. Yeah. Depends on who you ask. Um the poison ivy and the influence of comics and media and how the divine comes through pop culture and how pop culture magic can be utilized to affect real change. Like a lot of uh, non-theistic people mm -hmm. uh, don't believe in a deity or work with deities, but there's no reason why you can't tap into certain energies and certain archetypes using pop culture magic. And a lot of people kind of debate whether Poison Ivy is an anti-hero. Some call her an eco-terrorist. Um, but I feel like that's entirely in line with how Poison Ivy, the plant, interacts with humans. Like, complete and utter disregard for humans. Like, doesn't give a fuck. Nope. This is Poison Ivy's forest, and she's going to protect it, and she doesn't give a fuck about any human agenda. Um, so, like, she's just... An unbothered plant queen who, when burning, will still harm you and then come back. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, it's, it's wild to think about. And then where I think the poison ivy argument is completely wrong. Like, why are we debating her hero status? I really feel like poison ivy is a goddess. <laughs> She's yeah. not... She's not a villain. She's not a superhero. She's not like there are dark goddesses. There are, she is not concerned with human ethics. She doesn't live in that world. She's not concerned about that world. And that's where I think that we get the argument wrong. She's not a hero. She's not an eco-terrorist. Eco she's a goddess. She has acts of wrath. Yeah. Which are common among the divine. Yes. You know, yeah. um, and then even when she's in Arkham Asylum, like if you bring live plants around her, they can be weaponized, which in my opinion is fertility goddess energy. Mm -hmm. She's a protector. She's a dark fertility goddess for sure. And like, I, I, it's just weird that that hasn't even been brought into the conversation. Well, and because she's. She's a she, she's female. Like it, this is what happens in comics and everything and in, in, in movies on TV, you know, when we have a powerful femme representation, most often she is a villain. Um, she's someone that you have to be careful with. It's never looked at as powerful and beautiful and inspiring. Um, so that conversation has to change. Also, her last words before her death and sacrifice to save Gotham City are, nature always wins. Mm, and that's true. It really is. It, I just true. The spirit of Poison Ivy in general is so powerful that I do think it comes through here. And a lot of, like, like we don't have a lot of folklore 
in in modern society, like our folklore is our pop culture. Like our mythology is our pop culture. That's true. That's true. You know, we. I would, hmm? No, I was going to say I have um, the Greek myth one. When you're ready, I'll share it. Yeah, we cling to those those old myths, but like right now in the society that we're living in, like we have a lot of like storytelling and folklore and these these archetypes that influence our society, but like pop culture magic is really recognizing that those things have an energy and shape the world and you can tap into that energy. So like you can, you can even work with poison ivy if you wanted to like, say you don't want to go out and touch poison ivy, but the archetype of poison ivy could be poison ivy, the, the hero goddess from Gotham city. Yeah. Or even just tapping into poison ivy energy. Um, I know when I don't have like a plant accessible, I will go on like YouTube and look for a video like a documentary or someone foraging and showing the plant. And I literally just pause it and um, connect my energy to the plant via video. And it's really powerful that way. It's very doable. So you don't have to have access to these plants that we always talk about. Um, You can find other ways to connect to the spirit. It's like a ghost when you talk about it, they hear you. (laughs) It's the spirit, right? That's why we say spirit because it's the spirit that you want to kind of bring forth. And don't let anybody make you feel silly for doing magic however you want. Like, I literally have been a witch for as long as I can remember. And I, I'll, you know, work with Loki, but then I'm like, I'll also put a Zatanna candle on my altar, which thanks, by the way, Annabelle Gat for sending that to me. Um, Zatanna, by the way, is a superhero from uh, DC and she's a magician and she's fucking sick. And sometimes I cosplay as her because I love her, (laughs) but you can totally even cosplaying embody that energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to start dressing up as plants for Halloween now. (laughs) I don't think we ever have. Maybe I'll I'll be poison ivy. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever seen people do like the fall poison ivy cosplays? No. I love those. I have to look into it, but I know there's a lot of cosplay um, accounts on TikTok. Maybe I'll find something there. All right. So let's talk. Uh, like you, Okay. You tell your Greek, Greek history. So I found this Greek myth um, and it's like the, the start, the beginning of Poison Ivy, how Poison Ivy came about. So it said that Aphrodite was working her beauty and love and passion. Um, She examined her subjects and she was appalled to realize that all the leaves were boring and green. So she decided to spruce them up. She picked up two normal ivy sprigs in the ground. She kissed them both and a shiny red gloss coated most of them. Aphrodite left satisfied with her new beautiful plant. A few months later, Aphrodite received an angry message from Persephone. Persephone was angry at Aphrodite's glossy ivy. Apparently, the ivy had spread and was being very snobbish and insulting to all the other flowers. Um, Also, the ivy was getting picked as beautiful flowers over the roses and violets. Aphrodite instantly rushed to the ivy. She commanded them to stop bragging, but they refused to stop. Um, while, why should they, when they are so pretty, sorry, I had to like really read that part. (laughs) Yeah. Aphrodite spat on them, angered and left. So Aphrodite's saliva is said to have venom in it. The leaves while beautiful had a subtle evil look to it now. And when a family came to pick it, they were cursed with an ugly red rash that itched horribly. After a while, nobody came near the ivy 
and they named it Poison. Okay, so I love this for two reasons. Um, We also see this in the Poison Ivy archetype in the Batman movies of the 90s and the early 2000s, or was that like 1999, right? The Poison Ivy one? I don't know. Um, But Poison Ivy's kiss is deadly. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to leave that there. Then the other thing is it is totally in line with like if you piss off Aphrodite, a lot of people have said this. I, this, I, this is like UPG. Um, a lot of people have said this that when they've pissed off Aphrodite, like one of her acts of wrath is giving you like skin problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, her poison. <laughs> so don't don't ever piss off Aphrodite. <laughs> I know it was really it was interesting. So I found some, I found some other, um, some other stories I wanted to, so I wanted to look up what was the experience of Poison Ivy in early, like written writing and, you know, when we started talking about it and I, I really don't think you're going to find this shocking, Mm. but John Smith was the first person to put the experience of getting poison ivy into writing. So when we talk about like colonization and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. literally John Smith was the first person to write about getting poison ivy. Yeah, like he did it with a lot of. (laughs) He said. The poisoned weed causeth redness, itching, and lastly blisters. And that um, they use the plantain weed to treat the symptoms of contact dermatitis. And that's how the plantain weed came to this side of the ocean, came to America, or, you know, (laughs) uh, it's just like mind blowing. Yeah, obviously, this is like native indigenous medicine, um, just like the jewel weed, right? The what is it? Touch me not. Um, I I just know it as jewel weed. Yeah, so jewel jewel. Um, <laughs> I'm stumbling over my word. Jewel weed. If you see them, um, they're also very great at um, effective remedy for poison ivy. It's a and it's also very effective for mosquito bites. I actually found this out because I knew it was good for mosquito bites. I have a really bad reaction to mosquitoes. Um, so I knew growing up to look for jewelweed or my mom, she used to, she doesn't anymore. She used to grow them like in a little patch in the back of the project housing and you just rub them on and it would really calm down the swelling of the mosquito bites. And then I tried it with poison ivy when I was really little and they happen to have jewelweed next to poison ivy. And they said that this is very common, that they grow around poison ivy a lot. So I don't know if you've yeah. seen that. Yeah. I've seen that before too. So look into jewelweed and know that if you do get contact with poison ivy, you can rub it on the affected area. Also, when you get home, just take off your clothes, wash them, everything. Even my sneakers, I wash them. Or my hiking boots, I'll give them a good rinse and wash with soap and water everything that you were wearing out in nature should be washed and, um, and separated from anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I also was like, okay, so how did poison ivy get to Europe? Cause what kind of person 
what kind of what kind of madman would <laughs> would take back a poisonous vine and be like, let's let this proliferate. Yeah. And you you will be really interested to find out that an English gardener named John Tradescant was the first known gardener to cultivate poison ivy. And I was thinking, this guy's got to be an eccentric guy. Well, turns out he was a mad pirate gardener who did work for the wealthy, including the Queen's Secretary of State. And he grew gigantic gardens full of exotic plants. He was this like curious, adventurous man who was responsible for bringing lots of flowers and fruits to Europe despite all this. Poison ivy was one of his and his son's favorite plants from the New World. What? That's insane. Why would you even do that? Well, because he's a fucking pirate. <laughs> you know what? But at least he owns that he's a pirate. Like, mm. they're all pirates. They're all pirates. We're, yep. They're, and John Smith. God, what a boring guy. Have you ever read, like, anything? I had to read. I and, have, I have a, a little book. I could, I'll share it with you. I just want to vomit every time I'm reading it. Because everything he discovered, supposedly. <laughs> he is the most boring guy ever. The most boring. We had to read like his diary in college. We also had to read Christopher Columbus's diary in college. And let me tell you, that guy fucking sucks. Like, well, the thing is, I had when for my culture, well, my people, my ancestors, that you know how to walk um, the Caribbean, the he literally wrote what he was fucking doing to my people. Like, that's how a lot of the information that we find out about the awful things that was happening to our ancestors is because he fucking wrote about it in detail. Like he literally thought he was such a great guy, like that he wasn't doing anything wrong. He like thought he was like this wonderful man. Like he was a sociopath. No, he like things that he wrote about. Yes, definitely a psychopath. All of the things, all of the stuff. He was evil, period. He wrote, um, we found out what he did with our children um, and with the women, how he, um, women who were pregnant, they would cut their bellies open, take the babies out and feed them to the big dogs that they brought over. Um, you know, talking about raping the children, like, like if it's nothing, like if it's nothing at all, like just, Hey, this is another day and this is what we're doing and this is what we did. And it was just, people don't understand the amount of hate and and pain and, and trauma that comes from coming from a lineage where we were slaughtered and, and, and raped and hurt and and everything was taken from us and people are like you know you should forget your past this is not our past this is this is who we are this is what we went through our ancestors are within us our experiences everything that happened are still within us we're not just going to forget what was done to our people um like if this was any other guy uh he would just be like the most notorious serial killer for real. He literally, that's what he is to us at least, but hopefully people start, you know, he, he is to a lot of people. I think more people are becoming aware. I had this teacher in eighth grade, um, Mr. C and everybody, all the kids loved his class. They all passed his class. Um, he told us like the real history. Yeah. And he would call, he would call Christopher Columbus, the butcher and refused to like honor Columbus day. He called it butcher day. Yeah. Okay. And would would slander Christopher Columbus like as frequently as he could. <laughs> like he fucking hated that guy. Um and you know, I, I feel like 
more people become aware of the atrocities that man has committed. And, and like, as the, the one great thing about the internet and the free flowing information is that we, these stories like no longer get hidden. You don't have to go look for it in a book. Right. It's well with the hard work of indigenous people and native people out there consistently, you know, marching and speaking and bringing awareness to all of this. This is why um, America is starting to wake up because of their hard work and dedication. I've seen it firsthand. I've done it myself. I'm still involved in it. Um, So we need to acknowledge that as well. But just like in the spirit of poison ivy, when we're talking about poison ivy being a protector and in certain land areas, you know, protecting that land because it's the spirits of those ancestral spirits taking care of the land. That's how we see our people where like poison ivy, where reincarnations, where living, breathing energy and spirit of our ancestors protecting our lineages, protecting our story so that it can carry on. That's what we really want. We really do want our story to be told in the right way, the truth to come out. We're tired of these lies. We're tired of us just being pushed to the side and everyone trying to cover it up and saying, yeah, well, there was a reason for that. Um, Fuck you with your reasons. We deserve to have our story told and in the right way. Whether you and like just like just like poison ivy, they thought that they they burned you down. They thought that they burned it all down, and oh no, no, nope. yeah. yeah. Look at us. He grew back stronger. Look at us now. Look at us fucking dismantling, disrupting, and bringing everyone together. We're bringing all kinds of people together from all backgrounds. That is fucking powerful. Those are the prayers and the spells and the rituals that our ancestors fucking did, you know? And I always talk about, also, I bring up that it wasn't just indigenous and native people or my ancestors who did the praying. There are, we did have allies. We did have people there who were against of what was happening, you know? Um, so their prayers and, 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 and their, um, you know, their chance to spirit in the world for this to change and for us to be safe and protected. So look at us now, look at the world. I don't see, we did not fail. We were not, um, you know, banished. We were not forgotten. We're still here. We're still fighting. I mean, I'm 41, just with an example with me, just alone, I'm, I don't, I have a publishing house now <laughs> to bring truth to like our cultures and our, and our stories and our magic and our indigenous roots and to give voices to all of us to bring real magic back, to bring real stories back into our books and things like that, because that was all taken away from us. And it was taken away from everybody, like yep. everybody. It affects everybody, whether you think it affects you or not, it does. It, it does. Every single one of us, all of us. And it's, we, we have to come together. Like the only way that anything gets accomplished is if we're unified. Yeah, I know. And the thing, the most, going back to the spirit of poison ivy, right? There, There's this sense of protecting yourself from the self also, right? I mentioned um, not just from the world and what's going on. There's this spirit and meaning of learning how to defend yourself against yourself, setting boundaries, self boundaries. Um, shit, I should have had poison ivy painted on my cover of my new book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's this sense of acknowledging truth. And a lot of people have trouble with that because whether they like it or not, truth is truth. And if it's something that makes you or your ancestors look bad, um, it's still truth, right? So you still have to acknowledge that truth. And the only way to heal and move forward from it is to acknowledge it, see it for what it is, 
And then let's move forward as community and see how we can move forward with acknowledging the truth and then how we can make it better going forward for all of us to exist in a world that is just and um, equal for us all. It's literally the first part of healing trauma and healing is first admitting that there was a problem. Yeah, for sure. You know, first admitting and talking about it and then the healing can start. Mm-hmm. Especially to yourself, which is, yeah, hard. it's hard as fuck guys. It's hard. <laughs> There's nothing easy about it. Um, but it is definitely needed and it's something that's really will transform you. Um, in ways that you would have never imagined. Otherwise, if you don't have self-awareness, then you'll just end up like these people trying to get rid of their poison ivy doing crazy ass shit. Cause I wrote down like all the crazy ass shit that people do to try and heal poison ivy. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, um, first let's talk about with the basics, then we'll get into the crazy ass shit. So the Lenape people here where we live, um, used to use sweet fern to treat the rash and the Iroquois used the sap of white pine. The Mohegans used dried corn cobs. Um, in Nebraska and North Carolina folk medicine, they would use nightshade berries. They would mix them with cream and apply it to the rash. Interesting. Um, it was also believed in Nebraska that here's where we start to get into some superstitions. It was also believed in Nebraska that wearing an ordinary fishing sinker would prevent you from getting poison ivy. Okay. Uh, in the most American fashion, it was also once believed that carrying around a cartridge of bullets uh, would prevent you from getting poison ivy because you would because Why? of the lead. Why? Like you were... you're scared away you're gonna shoot the poison ivy to death um guns and metal is like this the biggest symbol for this country it's awful (laughs) um but people have been so desperate to treat poison ivy rashes that they've resorted to chalk alum shoe polish boiling an old shoe in water what the hell (laughs) bleach uh chlorinated water boiling pennies in water Wait, see, why would you put that on your already? That's an awful <laughs> kerosene, heavily salted milk, sour milk, no, uh, calf slobber, water that was used to boil chickens, uh, crayfish meat, and then the others. Here's some other crazy ass shit that people did. I don't know if this is just like their mean friend told them this and they believed it. Um, Cause this kind of sounds like, like frenemy shit, but eating a poison ivy leaf will cure poison ivy. Why in the hell? <laughs> uh, making a poison ivy tea will make you, this is what they, people thought, don't do this. But people thought that if you made a poison ivy tea, you will get sick, but then you'll never get poison ivy ever again. No, uh, what? And the, are these real? <laughs> and then there's <laughs> also believe that if there was no R in the month you were born, that you're immune. No, get out. <laughs> what the fuck? That is stupid. That is just dumb. Like, you know, you would think people had common sense, even just because it was the old days doesn't mean they were dumb. This is just common sense stuff, right? It's just crazy. But again, yeah, I feel like 
I mean, come on. You had Donald Trump saying what to heal COVID. Remember to what was it to drink fucking detergent? Was it? I, I just even know. I try to like if I hear that man talking, I turn it off immediately. I just can't. Awful. But like, um, but people believed it. Some a lot of people believed it. Like it's and we're in like twenty twenty. What year are we in now? Well, I feel like this is totally like symbolic of you know, our departure from nature that we start looking at things like, like what pennies, boiling pennies, like money is not going to fix your problem. It's not. And this is just like all to me, like symbolic of capitalism. Like why are, why are we boiling a shoe? Just what is a shoe going to do? Nasty. You know, like how would that heal in any, like just the departure. I, I, this is where you just see people getting away from nature. This is the beginning of getting away from nature. This is literally trying everything and anything besides going inward and fucking facing your own shit. <laughs> like that's how I see it. Someone who does not want to do the inner work, like refuses and has a million excuses. They will try everything and anything, even if it's craziness before just going inward and, and doing the work. And it's very scary. It's very scary to admit to like things that are within you and what you have to heal. But in, especially in this country, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this country. This country was such a beautiful island, a beautiful place. Turtle Island was immensely abundant and green and, and peaceful. The natives lived here so peacefully, especially on the islands, the Caribbean islands. The Dainos, we had such a beautiful, peaceful life. Like when, when I look back and at any time we look at our artifacts and our stories and um, it just makes me sad that we were stripped from that opportunity to live such a beautiful life that's, you know, existing with nature in such a way that it worked for all of us. And we were all very, you know, um, working as a community as it is, even with between the islands, we worked as a community um, so f- to know that that was stripped away, we hold on to this belief that it, it will come back, that we will bring that back. We will be able to live in harmony and 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 with Earth and kind of see what is more important in our lives. I don't think that we'll ever get rid of like industry um, mm-hmm. or get rid of like money, for instance, but we will come to a point where we can coexist with nature where we're not ravaging and killing nature and acknowledge that without nature, we can't survive. We can't live. There is, and not just in the physical world, the work aspect, but within ourselves, within our yeah. body, in our flesh and, and, and ru- being ruled by the sun and the moon, we all need to work together. And we're forgetting that we're part of a bigger picture. It's become very individualized. So I think just even even seeing like the way that people want to treat this and and the lack of like like uh, if you're treating your problems with kerosene, it's it's not showing a lot of self-awareness. It's not showing a lot of self-work, you know, like it also shows just the extremes like we don't need extreme cures. We need like. Uh, and I'm not referring to medicine. I'm referring to like just society. We don't need to burn it. We don't need to burn it down. We don't need to like, you know, scour ourselves with bleach. Like we need to return to nature. Yeah. Well, I believe we need to burn the fuck down. <laughs> so I, I mean, 
I well not burn per se, but the language that I use is burning it down. Is like burning it down is I understand like what you're saying, but just like the idea of burning it down is also still like violent and like people still get hurt even hurting themselves like that's what i'm referring to like using kerosene to heal your wounds is not it's not healing yeah that's why the language has changed where we don't say burning it down anymore we say dismantle and my the way that i switched my and disrupt right you want to disrupt and dismantle if you are into like within your own life or within society. So the way I'm approaching my activism, my self-activism and activism in the world, I am rebuilding. So if Mm -hmm. you don't want to put your energy towards things that don't want to change, have no interest in changing, trying to burn it down, trying to knock it out, it's just going to really knock you out. Um, And we've seen people trying to do this for many, many years. This is not new. This has been going on for a lot, a lot of years where we've been trying to um, burn shit down. And now we're disrupting. Now we're dismantling. Now we're rebuilding new ways, new paths, new um, ways of doing business. For instance, my new publishing house, Row House, we're doing things differently. So thinking about approaching how we tackle the world and its resistance to change, we must tackle ourselves in the way that we must change ourselves and in our approach of making this a better and different world. Yes. You know what I love about Ivy and how this ties into that is that Ivy is all about reclamation, not just poison Ivy, but Ivy in general, like, and, and vines, vines reclaim, like even structures of like, if you look at old factories, the the trees aren't going to go in there and destroy the vac- factories that are abandoned. It's the vines. The vines reclaim. And I feel like that's what, where Poison Ivy comes through here is that it's all about reclamation. It's all about nature healing and reclaiming what is nature's. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think we've basically covered everything. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, on that note, Juliet, where can we find you online? At I am Juliet Diaz, all over the place. Um, beware of scammers. Um, there is no double letters anywhere, no underscores. It's just I am Juliet Diaz. And I am at Stay at Home Witch spelled exactly like that no extra letters um at chelsea the at stay at home witch on instagram at chelsea the witch on tiktok and at witch baby soap everywhere else with no extra letters underscores you know and our scammers really are out there you know we never mentioned the elder i know that's so (laughs) i was thinking about that i just my adhd is like that why didn't we just think about it? It was just like, ding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So at elder hour, follow us. Yes. Do the thing. Yes, please. Um, and that's a wrap. Have a great day. Bye. Reclaim what's yours. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>